we recording? We are recording. Yay! Okay. <laughs> Welcome everyone to episode three of Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris and I'm joined today with Joe. Say hi, Joe. Hi, everybody. And we are going to be taking a deeper look into the flying ability. Now, with that out of the way, have you had any thoughts or ideas or projects that you've been working on for a new deck idea, Joe? Yeah, actually, uh, we had the release of the Kaldheim set this week. Uh, and so, you know, with the last episode, we were doing pre-release, and I was all excited for Vorn Klex. This week, I pre-ordered the blue-white commander deck and i was all excited it has this really cool ability called foretell and so it's led by a creature named Raynar the ever watchful and the deck is all about foretell where you're going to pay a little bit up front to exile the card and then you'll get to play it later on in the game usually for a cheaper cost not always all right then then it's total converted mana cost but it's nice because you get to exile cards and they're actually part of your hand but they're not part of your hand so your opponent has a harder time touching them and you could end up actually like in play testing i ended up with a what was it like 14 cards available to me but only seven of them were actually in my hand so it's a really cool deck i'm really excited to play it and it looks like it's going to be something definitely outside the box for my usual commander play style what about you what are you excited about playing this week well i've been toying with the idea of building a like a brawl deck because we we play brawl occasionally. I was thinking about building a new brawl deck. Um, don't know who's going to be the head of it. Don't really know how it's like the final version that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But I do know the shell that I want it to be with, and that's uh, as a red deck wins. Like I want it to be as a mono red. Like I want it to be aggressive. I want it to be stompy. I want it to be burning. I want it to be flashy. I want it to be fun. You really want to get, like, arch enemied here, don't you? That, oh. Is that the goal? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, hey, you say arch enemy. I say target-rich environment. Whatever works, bro. <laughs> hey, everyone's coming after me, which means I get to go after everyone. <laughs> I hope you have enough burn spells to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And speaking of burn, um, that's actually one of the words to live by that I chose for uh, this week's episode. Now, it's... Um, well, the concept of it is. And that's ping, shock, and bolt. These are slang terms that we all use to refer to, the, that refers to the amount of damage being done. Ping or poke is usually shorthand for just one. Shock is shorthand for two. Bolt is, means three damage. And then, and that's because ping and poke, those ones are, you know, small, incremental, you know, more of an annoyance than anything. Um, Shock, that actually gets its name from the magic card, Shock, which deals two damage. Um, And then Bolt gets its name from Lightning Bolt, which is three damage. So it it actually makes a lot more sense. And thinking about all the, like, pings, shocks, and bolts, that's actually a lot that we... Majority of some of the games that we play is, yeah, I'll ping you for one. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I guess I'll just have to bolt... I have to, I have to take that bolt. Or I'm going to shock this into play. I'm going to shock that. It's like, yeah, 
Those... We, have, we have an entire cycle of lands that we refer to as the shock lands. And we now have the bolt lands. And we have bolt lands, you know. Those so, yeah. dual-faced multiple cards that, you know, come into play as lands that are yeah. tapped unless you pay three life, so you bolt yourself to get an untapped land. And uh, the pain lands are mm-hmm. also are ping lands or whatever you want to call them. You tap them, they deal one damage to you, and you get mana for it. Um, so you hear these words quite a bit in a variety of contexts. Very important for you new players to understand you're, you're going to hear these words and, and you should know what it means when they when they're thrown around yep so joe we're focusing on flying today what you got oh we have so much information on this keyword ability it has actually been around since the very beginning of magic the gathering we're talking alpha all right early 90s alpha edition you can see the keyword ability flying printed on cards and it has been included in every set since Magic was developed. Let's dive into the rules. The rules for flying. Rule 702.9 is where you find all of the flying information. The first rule, 702.9a, flying is an evasion ability. 702.9b, a creature with flying can't be blocked except by creatures with flying and or reach. A creature with flying can block a creature with or without flying. And then 702.9c, multiple instances of flying on the same creature are redundant. Now we had that same rule when we were talking about reach in our last episode. These keyword abilities, often you'll see that they become redundant if you have it printed or given to a creature multiple times. There is no double flying. Don't think that you can fly higher than a flying creature because you have flying twice on your card and so you can double evade them. It doesn't work that way. Flying is flying. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this. And disclaimer, these are our opinions. They are meant to give newer newer players a launching point or a starting place and deck building experienced players a new perspective. Um, Anything that we said here, take it with a grain of salt. These are our opinions, and uh, you should always build decks based on your play styles and what you want. But, Joe, what are some of our featured cards? So the first creature we're going to talk about is Birds of Paradise. Birds of Paradise comes to us all the way back from the Alpha set, and it actually has flying, and then tap, add one mana of any color. It's a 0-1 creature that comes into play for one green. The next one, also, again, from the Alpha set, is Air Elemental. Air Elemental is a 4-4 creature that comes in for 3 colorless and 2 blue, and it has flying. Chris, I want you to talk about the next one, because this one is a favorite of yours. That it is. It's actually the, like, sleeper win con in a couple of my decks, and that's Wall of Denial. It's a 0-8 wall for 3 mana, which is a colorless, a blue, and a white for a creature wall. And it has Defender, Flying, Shroud. This thing is a big flying blocker. And I love it, especially if you can get around the whole not being able to attack portion like I can. And you just have something that's really big and really fun. Yeah, I love it. And this next one was actually a win condition in one of my decks for a while when, when this card was out. This is Dream Trawler. Dream Trawler is a 3-5 creature. It's a Sphinx. 
and it costs two colorless, two white, and two blue to come into play. It has flying, lifelink, and whenever you draw a card, Dream Trawler gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. Whenever Dream Trawler attacks, draw a card, and then discard a card, Dream Trawler gains hexproof until end of turn, and you can tap it. Or sorry, not you can, you have to. Mm-hmm. Be very clear, you have to tap it if you use that ability. The last featured card we're going to bring up is from the newest set, Kaldheim. And it's actually a modal double-faced card. The front face of the card is Allrund, God of the Cosmos, and it has all of its wonderful stats. But it's the backside that we're really concerned about for the flying mechanic. It is Haka, Whispering Raven. It's a 2-3 flying creature that comes in for a colorless and a blue. And it has whenever Haka, Whispering Raven, deals combat damage to a player, return it to its owner's hand, and then scry two. So as you can see, there are a number of flying creatures that have come in to this game throughout the years. And in fact, there are a couple thousand cards with the flying ability and several that will give a creature flying. It really just depends on what you want to do there. There's equipment that will give it flying, um, enchantments that will give it flying, auras, enchant creatures that will give it flying. You mostly find them in blue and white. But you can find flying creatures in any color. Dragons and phoenixes commonly have flying in red, uh, demons and vampires in black, and then there are a variety of creature types in green, although green doesn't have too many. Yeah, mostly like birds. Birds, yeah, yeah. that happen to be, birds. yeah, not too many in green though. Um, uh, the, but there's a flying snake that's blue and green that... Yeah. There is a flying snake, yes. Go <laughs> <laughs> <Good> figure. <laughs> flying snake. Chris, tell us about some of the featured decks that use that flying ability. Alrighty, so some of the featured decks, uh, white blue flyers, as because they're so prominent, those are often the archetype that's used is blue white. Sometimes it's included as a sub theme for some mechanics or abilities. Let's see, what's a good? Let's dive down that rabbit hole a little bit. So, if it would be a sub theme, what would you want it to be a sub theme of? I guess let's take for example uh, the card Haka. All right. Haka is a great way to get damage in so that I can use that ability to scry two, control the top portion of my deck more frequently, and then say if we're running a ninjutsu deck, all right? Yep. This way, I know when I attack with Yuriko, I can have a better idea, maybe not permanent, but I can have a better idea of what those top two cards are so I know what I'm flipping over and how much damage is going to be dealt. And having that, um, having Haka be able to immediately get the damage in easier makes that more viable. Pirates deck, all right? There's a couple pirates that have flying, makes it easier to get that damage in. uh, So you can get the the pirate abilities that come off of dealing direct damage to players, you know? And of course, something like... I got one for you. Reconnaissance mission, all right? (laughs) I got one for you. Infect. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, had to bring it up. I mean, flying is just the easiest way to get infected. So, um, so, but yeah, as a sub theme with other more prominent mechanics or abilities, yeah, you see flyers. It's just it's good to have flyers in your deck. Definitely pairs well, and it, just like reach, um, if you can have it in your deck, it's good to have it in your deck. Always good to have it in your deck. Yeah. I mean, flying with flying, it's both offensive and defensive. You can either get it, 
you can get over something to get damage in, or you have something that can fly to block other flyers. So there's the defensive, offensive. You can just go over all the little white weenies on the ground. And of course, as always, flying really pairs well with certain abilities. And if you can get multiple abilities on a creature, you want to. Um, and then it pairs less well with some of them, you know. And actually, flying is even weak against another ability. So we're going to talk about that real quick. Really, flying pairs well with a lot of different keyword abilities. Some of the more notable ones being Vigilance, First Strike, Haste, Lifelink, Hexproof, Flash, Indestructible, Death Touch, and Prowess. Now, this is by no means an exhaustive list. If Most of the time, if you can add flying to something, you want to. But a creature with flying and attacking doesn't cause it to tap, that's a great great combination right there i mean that's just two for one i mean you can get over their stuff and then they can't and then you have a blocker open so that they can't get through absolutely so i mean you definitely i mean you don't go if they're playing all on the ground and you have a flying creature with vigilance you don't go shields down just to attack right so you get your damage in and then you have your guy sitting there just going okay come at me exactly exactly uh, but it doesn't pair well with other things. So, Chris, tell us about some of those. Um, some things that it doesn't pair, war, pa, pair well with is Menace, Trample, Sacrifice, Fight. Um, trample, mostly because if these flyers most of the time aren't very powerful. I mean... They and, also usually don't have a high toughness. Usually, you yeah. know, usually don't have a high toughness either. So you don't want to... Trampling isn't always the greatest idea. Mm-hmm. Not saying you can't. I mean, it's there. Yeah. Um, menace. I mean, that's only really useful if your opponent has um, flyers or um, reach, and that's just. But most of the time, they'll either have if they do have flying or reach. Again, it goes back to your whole not very tough kind of category. Yeah. Um, Again, you, not saying you can't. Yeah, it's just just not usually a good idea. There's not much of a payoff. Um, Sacrifice, yeah, yeah, that one's pretty much self-explanatory. You want it to stay around, and you want it to keep doing work. You don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, Fighting, again, back to the whole toughness thing. It will be dealt damage, and you don't want to die. But it is weak against something, and that is what we covered last episode reach from my opinion it seems like they created all of these abilities with like opposites in mind Mm -hmm. for instance if a creature has flying if there wasn't anything to counter that it would just ruin the game so they put in something to where it could counter it so they so they have flying so they make reach Mm -hmm. so that it can stop it and that's what it is weak against reach yeah, Reach really does throw a wrench into the whole flying plan. Um, thankfully, though, when you start looking at you know the amount of creatures with Reach compared to the number of creatures with flying, there's an, a tremendous imbalance. There oh, are yeah. far more creatures with flying than there are with Reach. So you really run into... I mean, you're going to run into some Reach creatures, but that should not be a reason that you shouldn't play flying. I mean, there are entire archetypes built around flying. So... It's a wonderful, 
evasion ability. And yeah, some of the times you're going to run into people that play reach decks or play creatures with reach, but reach is not prevalent enough to make it a huge concern. But it is going to stop you most of the time. You know, so just keep that in mind that if someone has something with reach, your flyers are going to have a hard time getting around that, or at least have to deal with it, if nothing else. Yeah. And flying appears in all sorts of different formats. You know, as we just alluded to, we did have flying-centered decks that some formats, I mean, that was the focus. Or I shouldn't say some formats. Some sets, that was a focus. You know, the blue-white color combination focused on creatures with flying, and that's what they wanted to do. I mean, one of my favorite cards has flying, and that's Dragon Broodmother. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotta love, you know, token generation and all of it being flying. Yeah. Especially when you're playing, ba- like, multiplayer games, and that thing just is extra value. And I remember, and whenever that was in standard, I did play. Yeah. I, I went out and I saved up lunch money, I sold <laughs> cards, just so I could get another three of them, just so that I could have all four of them on the field and just go, okay, let's do this. And that was the old, that was one of the very few times that I ever went to turns. Wow. On, That's impressive. On game one. Wow. <laughs> yep. That's really impressive. Yep. Apparently flying and life flying versus a life link a, a life gain deck. Yeah. That was an interesting combination. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, flying really it, it's welcome in just about any format. You know, standard, historic. Sorry, they don't use historic and that that's arena. Um well, I guess, you know, standard, historic, modern, pioneer, commander, you're going to see flyers throughout every every constructed format. Really, though, when, when you're looking at flying-centered decks, you're looking at kind of limited, you know, a limited format, um, and usually that'd be limited constructed kind of deal. It's hard to draft or create a flying-centered deck in sealed, you know, but you're always going to be glad that you have a couple flyers. You know, it's just, it's an easy evasion ability and something that is difficult for your opponents to deal with on the fly, especially if they're not taking it into consideration. The very few times that I've actually drafted, I actually made it a point to always grab all of the flyers I could. That must have been a very interesting deck. The only thing that was synergetic between the entire thing was the fact that they were all flying, and uh, not a lot of them. And I managed to snag, like, 80% of all the flyers. Cool. And that was the that was the only thing that I did, was I grabbed flyers, and that was my entire strategy, was I just wanted to be flying. Didn't do too well, because everyone else was kind of going, like, combo-tastic, mm-hmm. or, you know, theme. Like, what set themed. was this? Do you remember? I don't know. It was in, it was back in college, and we all literally bought like six boosters of the same ones. Oh, okay, I see. Like I we see. just bought six random boosters mm-hmm. each, and we just kind of threw it all in. And okay, yeah, it was just a random matchup, and I was just like, I want flyers. It's like it didn't tell anybody. I'm just like, oh, you're a flyer. I'll take that one pass. I'll take that one pass. Yeah. I'll take that one pass. <laughs> Anything else you can think of for us to discuss about flying? For flying. Usually means we're spending a lot of time in the air. Need reading material. What do we got? This week, because Caldheim has just released, we're going to point you in the direction of an article that talks about budget decks. 
The article is called 30 Casual Decks Under $20 for Magic the Gathering Kaldheim Standard. It was written by the, uh, the, the content creator known as Saffron Olive, and it's on MTG Goldfish, the website. Uh, it was published on January 31st, 2021, and the entire article just provides a series of deck lists for casual players. All of these deck lists are designed to be extremely inexpensive, but efficient. You know, they're not going to go out and win tournaments or anything like that. But if you want to get an idea of the different mechanics and how the set plays, how it works in the current standard set for, for you know, this current time period, you can play with a variety of different styles for not a lot of money. And it, I think especially for less experienced players or people who are newer to the game, because of the number of decks that you have available to pick from, it, it just shows you the creativity and the wide variety of options available simply for standard right now, all from the introduction of one new set. So not only should you use this as a great starting place for Kaldheim, use this as an example of just how clever and creative you can be on a budget. I mean, I'm definitely going to be taking a look through that because I'm trying, I'm in the slow process of trying to get my wife into playing magic with us. And uh, so with it, these being casual decks and $20, it's a decent investment so that I can try and get her to play with us to where one day, hopefully, she can sit down at the, sit down with our uh, pod and play commander with us. And uh, I mean, that's one really good place you can start mm -hmm. um if you and like joe said if you're getting into it um or you just want to learn how to play that's a good place well and, and we're gonna be very clear with this particular article and saffron olive says this up front these are casual decks for kitchen table magic these are not meant to really go to even friday night magic and be competitive all right these are let's get you started help you understand the mechanics and and because of the budget on these decks they will help you understand the interactions between the cards more. It's not necessarily a powerhouse deck that's going to come and win in a couple turns. You're going to have to play a long game, usually, and it's going to take a while, so you have to know how the cards interact and everything to really make maximize your efficiency. So I have an idea. I'm going to take a couple of these decks, and if we're able to have a Friday Night Magic, I'm going to take one of these decks to it and see how it does. I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> you got to let me know. I would love to see that. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's clean up this episode with a question from our listeners. All right, this one is, what abilities pair well with beginner decks? So we're going to take this in a couple of different directions. Yeah, the, the question was just kind of hard for us to completely understand, so we had a couple different ideas about what it could mean. So, Chris, what's the first way we took this? All right, so the first way we took this was evergreen abilities. So what ability are the easiest for new players to understand and that's and the, those would be flying vigilance haste and trample so those four evergreen abilities those ones will do well with building around for beginner decks there are also certain deck types such as well the two deck types we really thought would be pretty simple uh to to go for a beginner would be what we call a mono green stompy deck. Essentially, you're using a lot of creatures in your green focus deck, 
maybe a couple pump spells to try to make your creatures a little bit bigger, but you're going for direct damage, all right? And, and you're doing that through creatures and combat, all right? And, and whatever abilities might happen to go into that, that's, that's the archetype that we thought of. All, the other one was burn decks. When you're, when you're looking at a mono-red burn deck, you're dealing direct damage, and you're either just slinging fireballs at creatures or lightning bolting or lightning bolt the, uh, the, the opposing player. All right, so they're two fairly simple archetypes that deal with direct damage in two drastically different ways, and they might have some abilities, you know, based off of creatures within that. But those concepts are very, very simple for beginner players, especially if you're either playing decks or creating your own decks, great places to start. And if you are a brand new player, one thing that you can definitely do is follow the focus of the theme decks from the most recent set or build a deck that features a mechanic from a standard legal set. So theme decks, every single set that comes out usually will have a theme deck of some sorts. Say so recently they've switched over to commander decks. Uh, they don't do the theme decks so much anymore, but th the commander decks are still focused around a theme of some sort. Mm -hmm. So you're going to end up with some kind of theme deck that highlights a mechanic. And then there was the also set. the challenger decks that yeah. were actually, and those ones were actually fairly competitive right mm -hmm. on the box. Yep. No modifications needed. I've bought in a couple of myself. Or you can build it, or by building a deck that is built around features of mechanics of a standard legal set, that one is actually really fun to do. Um, I mean, you have a mutate deck. Mm -hmm. um, that's from Ikoria. Yep. And that one's a pain in the butt to keep straight. Let's see what else is there. Um, from uh, Zendikar, uh, I think it was. I have uh, the Landfall deck. Yeah. I have the Landfall Commander deck. Um, if you can build around themes, that's also a good place to start. And it's usually will point you in the right direction on where you want to go. There might be a few potholes or hiccups along the way, but I mean, that's just the joys of deck building. You just right. have to find creative ways to get around them. Well, and if you start with a mechanic that's from the current standard set, odds are you're going to be able to find those cards usually a little bit easier, meaning they're readily available as opposed to going back to a modern set where you're going to have to cough up a lot of money, usually, at, for the cards, and they might be a little bit harder to find. And if you're looking at the standard legal sets at the time, the mechanics are going to have a lot of information out there. You're going to have a lot of people like on YouTube demonstrating the mechanics, and you'll have more resources to really learn how to play those mechanics and play that deck a little bit better. Well, I think that's it. If anyone wants to get a hold of us, uh, you can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at mtgunderthehood. As always, thank you for listening to this episode of MTG Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.